0: From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. A physician from the Regional Perinatal Center at Upstate is here today to talk about hepatitis C in pregnancy. Dr. Helene Bernstein is an Associate Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology and of Microbiology and Immunology. Thank you for being here and allowing us to tap your expertise. Thank you for having me. Well, I know that rates of um, hepatitis C infection are rising among adults in the United States, so it makes sense to me that this could be an issue during pregnancy. Um, But let's start with a description of what hepatitis C is and how it's spread.
1: Sure. I think that's pretty important. So the word hepatitis really means an inflammation of your liver, and a number of things can inflame any part of our body. When we talk about hepatitis C, it is a viral infection that that causes an inflammation of your liver. And it is actually a flavivirus. There are different viruses that can cause inflammation of the liver. And why it's important is that this particular virus has the capacity to form chronic, i.e. lifelong if not treated infection. And the end result is a person's liver being compromised potentially with cirrhosis or liver cancer.
0: So it's a virus, is it spread through the air? No, you're s- not going to catch
1: this through the air. Um, one of the challenges is is that it is felt to be spread parenterally, which means really blood to blood. So we think about IV drug use, but this is expanded even in the normal population to even include tattoos or body art or piercing that you get at a non-licensed location And even when we use our screening criteria, we find that over 20% of the patients that are positive do not have a risk factor per the screening criteria, which really means we need to be thinking about this for all of our patients in terms of identifying patients that carry the virus, because identification is
0: the first step to optimizing their health. So do I understand you correctly? 20% of patients that are found to have hepatitis C haven't? used IV drugs or or say they haven't or haven't had illicit tattoos or there's not a a reason that you can see that they're infected.
1: Yes. And that just means that we need to be thinking about it in terms of the potential for all of us to have it. Um, And that is um, a rationale to consider screening everybody in the population because we can't have targeted screening based on risk factors that we know are accurate. So um, is there a, a screening for hepatitis
0: C right now?
1: Yes, there is a screening. And the screening is is to look at serology to see if there's immunologic evidence that your body has been exposed to hepatitis C. So Did that would be from um, for it?
0: like a blood test? Yes. Okay. Um, barring that, say you don't have a screen, how would you know or how would you suspect that you have hepatitis C infection? Are there symptoms?
1: That's part of the problem and that most people will be asymptomatic until or unless they get these serious diseases that could be near the end of your life. So our goal is really to screen because the opportunity to treat and cure and have an impact comes before many, if not all, people have symptoms. So we can't depend on a patient coming to us saying, hey, I don't feel well.
0: Okay. So there are ways to treat and there's ways to cure?
1: Yes, and and that's some of the exciting things, is that the ways to treat and cure are actually fairly new. This used to be called non-A, non-B hepatitis back in the 1980s. We didn't know what caused it. We didn't have a treatment. And since I've been in the practice of medicine, we've progressed from first being able to identify it and now having a treatment that is actually curative. And that in itself is a reason to be more aware and screen. Because if it's, if it's a disease that we can't impact, a reasonable person might say, is it really important to know? But now that we can cure people, it, it
0: is increasingly important to know. So should people um, be seeking, you know, ask their um, physicians if, for a screening? I think that any
1: person that sees themselves at some risk certainly should talk with their primary care provider and treatment guidelines or, or screening guidelines for all doctors is that a patient asking is enough for all of us to offer the test. When I look at as an obstetrician, what should I be doing? I think that there's a large population of our population that do meet screening criteria. However, because identifying women that are infected is is an opportunity to both cure the woman and prevent perinatal transmission. There's a strong argument for screening all pregnant women, and we do screen women while they're pregnant for a number of other diseases, so it's not beyond the context of what we're already doing.
0: And it wouldn't be an additional, it's a blood test, right? So Mm -hmm. there's plenty of blood tests that pregnant women undergo. Yes, we, we get a routine panel,
1: and it would just be adding one more test to the panel. It would be pretty unnoticeable
0: to a woman undergoing prenatal care. So let's talk about how a pregnant woman um, potentially is affected by hepatitis C, um, and and how the baby would be affected by hepatitis C.
1: Um, looking at the pregnant woman, it it although the pregnancy is there, it, it doesn't affect the hepatitis C substantially one way or the other. But I look at prenatal care in general as an opportunity to engage a woman in healthcare, not only for the benefit of the pregnancy, but for the benefit of the woman. And this is something that I look at as, as health maintenance or preventative or care for a woman throughout her lifespan, or in this case, optimization. So first of all, it's, it's identifying somebody that has a chronic disease that could limit their lifespan. And now that we have a cure in place, talking about things we can do to optimize their lifespan. When we look at hepatitis C in the context of pregnancy, it's not going to affect the woman so much. But we do know that when a pregnancy is impacted by hepatitis C infection, that there are increased rates of preterm delivery, low birth weight infants, intrahepatic cholestasis, and other complications that That is when the bile gets a little bit stuck in the um outflow tracks and it and it could make somebody itchy or a small amount of jaundice when you look at this and instead of focusing on big words that may not mean a whole lot to An individual not in the healthcare field, I think that you can really hear that the pregnancy outcome may be less than optimum. And that in itself is a reason to identify and potentially treat because there is a high likelihood that if we treat the woman, which causes what we call a sustained virologic response, SVR, or cure, that it may eliminate these risk factors that are associated with hepatitis C in the setting of pregnancy.
0: Huh, interesting. Let me remind our listeners: this is Upstate's Health Link on air. I'm your host Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Helene Bernstein, an associate professor of obstetrics and gynecology and of microbiology and immunology, and we're talking about hepatitis C during pregnancy. Um, okay, so I, I understand there could be some impact on the pregnancy and, and delivery. Um, the baby could also transmit. Hepatitis C, right? Could the baby catch catch it? Yes, and that is also
1: important as well. So we know that if a mom is has hepatitis C, that the transmission rate to the baby is two to eleven percent. And some things impact that, like coexisting HIV infection or what the viral load is, but. Because hepatitis C is a chronic disease, there is every likelihood that if we obtain a virologic cure in mom during pregnancy, that we're going to eliminate this transmission risk to the baby. So right now, in the United States, there are 68 to 100,000 children that are HCV infected or hepatitis C infected, secondary to being delivered. And one of the big challenges, whether you're talking about a mom or a baby, is appropriate follow-up. So if you know that a, if a child is at risk for acquiring this chronic condition that could limit their life, it's obviously critical to have follow-up to optimize their health, but epidemiologic studies show that this is not happening as planned, i.e. 100%, if anything, as often as 50% of the time, the appropriate follow-up and treatment isn't happening, and that, mean, that makes prevention all
0: the more important. So you have these babies that have this chronic disease um, as as babies that's gonna potentially shorten their lifespan. Mm-hmm. For wow, what well what do you besides following a, a newborn that's found to have hepatitis C can they be treated?
1: I believe they can. Being an obstetrician, I don't know the most about this. A pediatrician would be a better answer be better able to answer this, but what I can say is from someone that is not only an obstetrician but a parent, to me it means preventing that from happening is something that we should be considering, and given the safety of these drugs in pregnancy, something that I've been advocating for.
0: It would be better to prevent it rather than have to deal with it after it's... Yes. Yeah. Um, we've been talking about the, the mom, the pregnancy of the mom. Um, is there any concern about a risk to the newborn if it's uh, the father that has hepatitis C? Or?
1: Not so much from the father unless there is transmission from father to mother during pregnancy, and that doesn't happen a lot. Okay. I would still advocate, particularly if it if it is the male partner in a relationship that is infected, to go on ahead and get treated for his health, and then no matter how small that risk is,
0: it's eliminated. So let me ask you, if you have a, a patient, um, a pregnant woman who's found to have hepatitis C, what sort of conversation do you have with her? What, what do you offer? When I see a patient,
1: um, my first step is to explain to them what they do have and what it means to them, to understand what it means in the context of their life. And then also talk to them about what it means in the context of their pregnancy and what we can do about it. Okay. Until approximately 2011, there was not widely available therapy. So it was a conversation that was a little bit you know, dejecting as a physician. We were telling patients that they had chronic, di- that they had a chronic disease that was going to impact the quality and longevity of their life, but we didn't have a cure. Now that we have a cure in place, is after we let the patient know their status, is to let them know steps that can be undertaken to optimize their health. And I think after letting them know about these steps and treatment is recommended for everybody is talking about when is the best time to do treatment.
0: And probably, um, probably one of the concerns is, is it gonna be safe for the developing baby? Most of these medications are as safe, if not
1: safer, for the developing baby as other medications we use in pregnancy. There's also new data that shows that the time, that earlier treatment is more effective than later. So when I look at somebody, if I'm going to ask them to delay treatment for their own health on behalf of the pregnancy, I feel like I need to be able to ask them to accept that compromise for the benefit of the pregnancy. And in this case, we really don't have any evidence that it would benefit. We have suspicion that treating during pregnancy may actually optimize the pregnancy outcome.
0: Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Well, now what about other hepatitis infections? We've, we've heard of hepatitis A and hepatitis B. Um, are there similar concerns for a woman who's pregnant who's infected with one of the other types of hepatitis? Um, or are they different?
1: They, they are different, but there's some unification there. So first of all, all three of these are the predominant hepatitis infections that happen in the United States. So it's important to know a little bit about the differences because I think that most people's families have been touched by it in one way or the other and and what it means and how you treat it is completely different. So hepatitis A is usually an acute infection, meaning that you're not going to keep it forever. You may be more sick when you get it, but eventually it will go away. And this is always, this is also transmitted uh, via the oral fecal route. So if anyone has ever heard of outbreaks secondary to restaurants and things like that, that is hepatitis A.
0: And that's from uh, food workers not washing their hands appropriately? Yes. Handling food. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And there's also a vaccination for hepatitis A. Oh. Right now philosophy is, is that if anyone has any hepatitis infection, that their liver is already... You know under attack or having inflammation that we need to prevent other ones so if you have one you should get vaccinated where vaccines are available for any other disease so there is a hepatitis A vaccine so if I see a woman with hepatitis C one question is have you been vaccinated and if not offer them the vaccination again to optimize their health to protect them from another infection that could compromise their liver function I think in looking in the big picture, though, hepatitis A is something that will run its course and eventually not be an issue. Hepatitis B, on the other hand, is a little bit of the combination of the two and that, yes, there's a vaccination for it. And right now, children are vaccinated routinely as part of CDC-recommended vaccination. What we are faced with as clinicians, as adults, people that when they were children, routine vaccination was not in place. So they're not vaccinated. That could make them susceptible. And again, if a woman is hepatitis C infected, we need to make sure that she has received vaccination against hepatitis B and that she demonstrates adequate levels of protective immunity because if she's been vaccinated and there's not evidence of protective immunity, we need to provide a booster to make sure she has that protection in place. Now, if we're talking about a woman that has hepatitis B infection, this is a virus that can also cause a chronic infection, and there are things that we can do to limit the possibility of this being transmitted to the baby that are distinct from hepatitis C.
0: Wow. Well, interesting. There's there's a lot to consider with this. Uh, my guest has been Dr. Helene Bernstein, associate professor of obstetrics and gynecology and of microbiology and immunology at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, Health Link on Air.